Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm your host, Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Fallen, the 10th book in the Alex Veris series. So let's change with the magic of books. Now, this book was crazy. This, I mean, three books away from the end of the series. This is definitely, we are seeing a huge ramp up. This was such an exciting book. So many great moments and so many things foreshadowed that maybe you didn't know were even being foreshadowed and now they are. It was just great. I By chapter, I mean, I was reading, when I read chapter 11 and 12, no spoilers, but uh, amazing, like just worth it for them. So exciting. So let's, in a non-spoiler way, this book takes place a year later after the events of the last book. Um, in the events of the last book, that would be Morden escaping from prison with Annie, Annie accepting the genie, or Dark Annie accepting the djinn, and then being repelled by Good Annie, of course, and they keeping that secret from the council and they're moving forward, and they're still fighting that war with Richard, but man, this book was crazy. I just think we're going to actually just go right into spoilers here. Let's just say a couple things. This book is a little bit smaller than his normal ones, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's only about 50 pages, so it's not that big of a deal. I don't think we were losing anything, but I think potentially trying to pad another 50 pages could have been not as good for this book. It was nice that it was kept so short. It's It's got the same writing, same good. This one, I feel I felt a little bit more of the emotional kind of atmosphere of the characters versus the physical, and that is just kind of Benedict Jacka's writing style, and I think it works great for this one. It really puts you in here. But we're going to have to just go into characters and spoilers here because there is so much that we have to talk about. Let's start with some of the lesser characters here. Onyx, man, what a failure Onyx was. Morden's Chosen could have been like near top dog. He's got an excellent elemental power. It's not really elemental, but it's the type. It's the same kind of thing, you know, using force magic. He's very skilled with it. But he is just a regular old gangster through and through. And we see that because he's taken over Morden's house. And who does he associate himself with? Gangsters and thugs. And he goes into like very descriptive detail of like gangsters and thugs. And so I was like, man, Onyx really just kind of stepped down. But it really is just going to show us that like Onyx has never really been that big of a villain. I mean, he's he's too short-sighted. He can't think ahead. I have to destroy you when you're at the height of your power. Because that's the only way to prove to myself that I can do it. Like, no, man, you don't understand being a dark mage at all. Being a dark mage is about taking what you want and doing what you want and not being apologetic for it. Now, the dark mages do do a lot of bad stuff, you know, the slaves and the beatings and the other things they do. But like, in general, like they have a very, this is mine. I'm going to take it. You can't stop me. So I'm going to do it. And he's just like, oh, I got to get your revenge. Man, that was... Just that whole fight scene where they're like, aha, we knew you were going to come out. Like you, uh, did the sinkhole surprise you? And it's like, Onyx, please, you're just embarrassing yourself here. He's a freaking diviner. If you had the sink there the whole time, then he would have seen it coming out because he uses his magic all the time to see the future. Like, think about this. Of course he knew there was a sinkhole. Why would he be surprised by that? Like, he might have been surprised when he first saw it, but not now. So it's just silly. Onyx, you're so silly. Uh, I loved Cinder. We don't get a ton of Cinder, but I love that Cinder and Alex are actually way more alike than we think they are. That Cinder and Cinder is kind of 
separated from Rachel for a little bit. But he's like, no, I want to get Rachel and I want to rescue her and protect her and make sure that she's doing okay. And Varys is the same way with Alec, with Annie. You know, he's like, I got to go rescue Annie. I got to help her. got to keep the jit away from her. So just crazy. I love, but their, their similarities are so similar. Like, you know, hey, you heard your girl was kidnapped and, you know, taken over. You going to let her go? No? Nah, neither am I, right? Um, all right, let's talk to, let's talk about Annie for a second. Annie, Annie, Annie. Dark Annie and Light Annie. I feel like by the end of the series, there has to be, there's going to be a forced merging of them. It's not going to be what they want, but it's going to be what's best. That most likely Alex with the Dreamweaver will go into elsewhere. He'll forcibly bond them and she'll become one person. She'll be the same, but a little bit more assertive or aggressive. She's very doormatty though with her family. Jeez, that was a fun scene. Seeing her family and eating stuff, but... Alex can't keep his mouth shut. Do you, did your servants go home for the night? How come you treat Annie like garbage? Like, she's always been here for you. Like, you know, it's just so funny. Oh, and by the way, she's probably at a higher government post than anything you've ever heard or seen. So just take that. That was so cool. Just so nice to see that they, they you know, they're progressing in their relationship. Although one thing I got to say is that they've been together for like three years, three or four years, like They've been physically together for one year, right? But because that's he said he loved her in the last book. And now they've been around each other for three-ish to four years. So when Crystal comes and mind controls Alex and forces her dominion over him and then forces him to, you know, attack Annie to get her to unleash the djinn, why didn't Annie just be like, you know what? This is like incredibly out of character for Alex ever. You know, I've never seen him hit anybody never seen him get this angry. I've never seen him act this way. Even when the, the chips are against us and the, we're up a wall, like he's never done these things. Perhaps I was, you know, perhaps it's not really him. But no, she doesn't think that. And then she summons the djinn and it gets him out. And then she disconnects his hand, basically. So it's just, it's not part of his body anymore, which is crazy. Like that was just a cool application. And now, of course, she's lost and they're in a three-way cycle again. Richard can control the djinn. The djinn and Annie can't control, you know, want to be free. But Annie wants to control the djinn. The djinn wants to control her. And Richard wants to control them both. It's very interesting that he's able to, to shut down the djinn with his dreamstone. And talking about Richard, we do learn that he is, in fact, a diviner. Which is crazy. Like, there's no... I mean, there's been, like, little hints. But he's just always been so confident and doesn't act like a diviner. And it's because he also has a djinn under his control somehow. And the djinn he's able to use, that's what that black magic is that he uses that he kind of can shoot out and, you know, temporarily stop people from either using magic or whatever it is that it does. So that was very cool. Now talking about Richard and the Dreamstone, you know, I'm saving the best for last. I'm saving Alex for last. So don't worry, we'll get there. Rachel is just, she's Rachel, but she saves the day by accident. Because Alex has gotten Meredith to amp up her feelings of uselessness and insecurity. And so he ramps it up on her, ramps it up, and he goes to Richard and you know, they're attacking Saul Sark. And they're like, hey, you know, let me join you. I will help you. I'm here for you. And she's like, no, this is not it. Help. Let me be the one. I was the chosen. You can't just bring him back in. And if she was thinking logically, she'd know Richard will never really trust him because he did turn his back. But he, she doesn't because she's crazy. 
And because she also has a djinn in her and Shireen sticking around, making her more crazy. And so she shoots a beam at Alex, an Al- uh, dis- disintegration beam. And Alex manipulates the futures and with his divination and makes it hit the Dreamstone. And then Annie's control is gone. Uh, the Jin's control, you know, or excuse me, Richard's control over the Jin and Annie is gone. They book it. There's a little fight. That was so cool. And I loved that that Shireen, who is like, you have to redeem Rachel or she'll turn or you'll die. But it's not she has to be redeemed. She has to be turned. She has to turn away from Richard because she's like, no, Richard, if you want to work with Alex, like, you can't do that. I have to be the one. You know, I've been here for you the whole time. And it kind of shows you how bad of, like, she, uh, the, don't get me wrong, Delio is a great mage. Very powerful. Very willing to do whatever it takes. But she's kind of a bad mage because she's not a dark mage, at least because she's not taking what she wants. She's not going forward. She's just kind of following Richard. Now, if that's what she wants and she wants to do that, that's totally good. But she is being weak and begging and such because she's not in control. Just amazing. That little hint that we get there, that trick. And poor, poor Arachne. She is gone, lost to us forever, taken away by a dragon. I really hope we get to see her a little bit at the end, but I don't think so. It seems pretty final, the dragon scooping her up, which is crazy because she's the size of a bus and huge. And then he picks her up in the palm of his hand, basically, and like flies away. Um, excuse me, what? That is a very, very powerful dragon. I mean, we all knew that already. So who knows where she's going? But I loved her note that she left him. Just a letter telling him what happened and what did, what could have happened. And and then we get to Alex. Alex, 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 our main character. You know, he realizes that he can't, after listening to Rachel and listening to Caldera and remembering what the dragon said, he's like, you know, I can't keep playing both sides. I can't be the light mage when I want to be and then be ruthless and cruel. Well, not cruel, but ruthless and decisive when I need to be and when I'm in the heat of action and then always claiming it's not my fault. And in his talk with Richard before he, which was so sad and so hard to read, when he puts the, when he smacks down Annie and starts beating her under Crystal's compulsion, like that was so bad. I did not enjoy reading that, but I thought it was well done. But he's like, Richard talks to him, he's like, it's all your fault. You know, if you would have just played with Levistus and gone along with him, he wouldn't have tried to kill you. And then this wouldn't have happened. And then, but it's all your fault because you weren't strong enough. And so Alex, you know, he's like, I have to get stronger. And the clues are he has to go back to the thing he, he already put aside. And so he goes and gets the Fate Weaver from Abithriax. And he takes it directly into Elsewhere, which is scary because when you go directly into Elsewhere, Elsewhere starts eating you, basically. The example in the book is you're a sugar cube in the ocean. You're going to die if you stay there too long. So he goes into elsewhere. He forces Abithriax out of the out of the uh, the Fate Weaver. And then he bonds with the Fate Weaver. And it takes the place of his old hand that Annie disconnected. And oh my gosh, what a power spike for Alex. I was like, um, what is ever going to stop him again? He can, which is amazing. That's like the two powers most suited for Alex. Like divination and the power to change what could be into what is so he can see the future and he can make it work now the only limitation of course is that it has to be a somewhat likely future and the more likely the future is the more like the more e- the easier it is for him to do otherwise it takes time and it takes energy so amazing just reading him do that though and him being like you know what 
I am going to embrace my dark. And not as necessarily, like, not dark mage, but just like, I'm going to embrace who I am. Because he was doing the same thing that Annie had done. Where he is trying to cut off a piece of himself and not be true to who he is in order to fit in better with others. And so he, he does that. He just destroys Onyx and his companions and just obliterates them. And reading those action scenes was so engaging and fun. It was just amazing. I could see the future, you know. Normally, I've only got three seconds. But now, with me controlling it, I can kind of work this out a lot better. And He's like, I hit it. I did this. I can't say it. It was just, that would be too weird trying to repeat it out to you. But it was amazing. Then when he goes and meets with Saul Sark and Richard, you know, and he's trying to be like, hey, I want to join you, Richard. And they're all like, and Saul Sark's like, hey, you are a dark mage. You've been one the whole time. He's like, okay, like, let's just get this straight. Like, if you hadn't continuously tried to kill me over and over again, I wouldn't be here. Annie wouldn't be here. Like, we can directly point to the fact that you guys would not get off the fact that Annie had been trained by Jagadab or like lived with him and was therefore tainted. That she's become an enemy to you. If you had been nice to her, if you had stopped the Dark Mages from taking slaves, or tried to at least, and rescued her, and given her a chance, you know what would have happened? She probably wouldn't have gone with the djinn. Or she probably wouldn't want to really kill you. You definitely wouldn't be on her kill list. I think, I think just generally being somewhat nice to people is, you know, it's okay. You don't have to just be a whole bloodthirsty, you don't follow me, I'm going to kill you kind of people. Well, you know, to each their own. And Salsark never gets to on his own again, because he's dead. Which was pretty amazing, I have to say. Um, I just, yeah, okay, I have one little nitpick that I want to say in this book. And it's just that Alex, or that Benedict Jack is sometimes in his writing, will use a little bit of that cheap trick at the end of a chapter. All of a sudden, I knew X. But he doesn't say what he knows. He says, I knew what to do. And then it cuts off, and then the next chapter is like, Here's what I'm going to do, and here's how I'm going to do it. And it's like, okay, I get it. It's just to turn the next page. Yeah, I'm not really a huge fan of it, but it wasn't too obvious or too bad. So, And I, I'm really excited to see where this book is going to go next, or the next books are going to go. I don't know how. I mean, Alex's power is very impressive, but it does still take time. It does still take planning, but he can control it. But if he uses it too much, the more he uses it, the more it takes him over. Is he going to give us up his whole life or is Annie going to be able to stabilize him if she comes back after their forced merging, in my opinion? I sure hope so. <sighs> Caldera, okay, last thing. Caldera, get out of here. You are out. You're, you're off the friends list. You just treat Alex like he's a piece of crap that he doesn't ever help. He wouldn't help if you, you wouldn't give him the time of day if he was on fire. Like, just get out of here, Caldera. You had your chance. You refused to see the faults of the council, many that they are. You refused to consider that they might be not perfectly correct in every instance. Like sometimes, Kadar, you need to make a decision for yourself. And Alex has made a lot of decisions for himself. And they've generally resulted in pretty good outcomes. People being saved, less death. You keep result trying to take him out. And without him, there would have been a lot more death and a lot more pain. So... That's it. That's everything I have to say about Fallen. It was an amazing book. I'm so excited I read it. I'm super excited to get to the next one. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Um, of course, if you have any questions or comments, send them to LeeBromancyPod at gmail.com. You know, please like and subscribe wherever you get pot your podcast from. That really helps a lot. And remember to change with the magic of books. <laughs> <laughs>